Kids, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, former BYU assistant coach and a Utah staffer. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Normally, we have you on and ask you about the greatness of the Jazz. But now, they've gone one and two on a road trip, and they were three and three in their last six. <gasps> Should people be panicking, gasping, or... It's all fine, about to iron it out, about to beat Philly in a statement game, and you're feeling good, actually, because of uh, how mad Quinn looked on the postgame. Um, you know what? It's uh, the, the, the last couple of games, obviously, I think they speak to, um, and I don't know if it's mental fatigue, physical fatigue, but, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever been runners, but, you, you know, you get out pick your spot and start your run and everything's great. And the minute you see your destination, it's when it becomes really difficult to finish. And uh, I I think that, you know, they're seeing right now the break, they're seeing the barn. Uh, I think it's human nature to, to ramp it down. It's amazing how many games that condensed into, uh, you know, most of the time you're playing four games a week, counting Sundays. So it's been it's been a crazy good stretch. Uh, I don't necessarily take a whole lot of of you know concern from it, but I think my biggest my biggest take is defense, the defensive uh, execution, energy, effort, whatever you want to call it. There's been some slippage there, and I do think that that is the linchpin to this team. I think that. It has to be, you know, defense kind of makes everything else okay. Um, and I think that they've just got to tighten down some some things defensively and, and get back to having that be something that across the board is really, really important. So the flip side being you don't have much concern on the offense, figure that the offense is going to be there most games, if not all games, in one form or another so they'll be able to score? Yeah, I think I think they've got plenty of of weapons offensively, and they got a great identity. And you know, even the other night in the loss, they got forty three threes up. Um, it was just uh, it was really frustrating. It was very similar to the Miami game in terms of not being able to get or string together stops. And um, you know, it it seemed like for a good part of that second half, uh, New Orleans was taking the ball, doing whatever they wanted with it, getting wherever they wanted, and scoring. Um, and you know the Jazz put up some some crazy good fight, and, and really, as opposed to letting that thing get totally out of hand, they, just like they have the competitive effort and juices there. It's just uh, to me, it's just kind of locking in um, more to the game plan because I think the game plans have been dead on, and doing a better job of just making defense the, the number one priority. So is the biggest problem on defense just guys on the perimeter staying in front of their guy? You know, I think that's a simplistic version of it. But, you know, the, if you take the New Orleans game the other night, um, majority of the night they had a, a non-shooter, um, you know, and I know Ball's actually gotten better. So, But I'm talking about Adams' guy. Uh, whoever's guarding Adams, you know, it was imperative. Quinn talks all the time about offensive spacing but defensive spacing is just as important and you know if you if you get too strung out uh, or 
you 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 know you kind of byproduct of being too strung out or, or not in the right spot you give up you know a drive is is on the guy who's getting driven and but it's also on the guy who supposed to be kind of in a presentation or a protection uh, stance and, and be able to show a crowded floor to the guy with the ball in his hands. So I think, you know, Quinn mentioned a little bit of that in the post game, but I think more than anything, it's, it's attention to detail. It's focus. Um, again, I don't think the jazz are, are physically fatigued per se, but I think there's a whole lot of mental fatigue um, and a lot of things that, you know, human nature, you've got one game left and you got a week off. Um, it's hard to always attack those last few the way you did the first few. Well, Ken, I argue you have a week off, so give me everything you got on this game because you don't have to play again for another nine days. I, I, I'm totally with you, 100% with you. And, and I think with Philly, it being Philly tonight um, and, you know, the first half they've had and, Obviously, we'll see if Embiid plays. I would imagine he will be in at home. But, um, you know, I, I think the Jazz will have will have a ton of, of energy going into this one. Also, Philly played him really good here. Um, so I, I think that, you know, the last two losses were a byproduct of what I talked about. Um, but I think today will be interesting because the focus – is really on one game, and you know, let's see, let's see what kind of defensive energy and effort. I just think it's so important because we've talked, you know, ad nauseum about how good this team is offensively, and I think, you know, part of the reason they very rarely get beat very badly is they have that ability to stay with a team even when they're not getting stops. Um, but this team's calling card has been like ten all runs, and yeah. its ability to hold that other team to a zero. And that Miami game and this New Orleans game, it was just different because they were scoring and it didn't seem to really bother the guys on the court. And that's different than what I've watched the rest of the year. So they've just got to they've just got to tighten some things down more than anything. So when you uh, when you watch the defense, are there a couple guys that you really key off who started, or is it a whole group thing? No, I think it's more a group thing. I think, um, you know, I think Rudy is the guy most nights that's going to be in the right spot, and he's kind of the captain of that defense. He's calling out coverages in ball screen. Um, I really do believe it's just the difference between, you know, and part of it, DJ, is guarding your guy, guarding your yard, guarding a guy two feet either way. Because if you can do that, then help is really not needed anyway, but very few guys in the NBA, you know, with as powerful and as talented as, as players are can consistently do that. And so that's why you need help. And all those help guys got to be in the right spot. And then the other piece of it is the jazz got to do a great job of finishing possessions, you know, not giving up. They've, they've been dominant on the class. It's been one of the areas you look at and new Orleans, beat them by 14 on the glass. So to me, it's just an absolute um, flip of what really has made them good. I think them being, you know, the best defensive team in the league and the best rebounding team in the league has really caused for most of the first half 
uh, has caused the, the offense to get all sorts of easy opportunities on the open floor. And really what we've seen in the Miami and New Orleans game is a lot of those are cut down because they're just not getting out and running, getting out and rebounding, and defense isn't starting all that stuff for the offense. So what can they do, or do you have much concern, maybe is a better question, as far as Joe Ingles uh, when Conley's back? You know, when Conley's out, Joe's been really, really good. Then he had a goose egg the other night there uh, in that loss and didn't do much of anything. And so I'm wondering, you know, is there is there a level of concern that Joe is not involved as much? And then he has been pretty good, but I can argue that Monday night was his least involved game of the season. Yeah, it was weird. Not to, it, it didn't seem like he was even there. Um and Jake and I commented about this. I think, um, you know, with Conley kind of coming and going, it really, more than anything, it affects Joe because Joe gets in a rhythm. And, you know, he's had plenty of good games coming off the bench. And he's been really aggressive, and he's made things happen, you know. Um, the the times where, you know, like there's an extended absence or, or like this last one where, where Mike missed a couple, I think it's hard on Joe to get back into a rhythm of to what he, you know, what, what his role is that day. I don't think the role changes whether he starts or comes off the bench, but I think that's something to watch because I actually made that comment the other day that, you know, Mike can kind of come in and go, um, then everybody else can kind of build around it. Joe's Joe's a real luxury to be have a guy that you can really feel comfortable putting in the starting lineup on a whim, and he's going to go out and do a great job. So I think that's just something to monitor. I, I don't worry about it because, like you said, PK's had big games on both sides of it, where he's been the, the starter, where he's come off the bench. I think more than anything, it's maybe those transitive times where you know Conley's been gone for a little bit. Mike's gotten in, or sorry. Uh, Joe's gotten into a role and then that changes quickly. And I don't know how great, you know, Joe is at trying to, to juggle that because he's always such a team dude. Um, but that would be my only, that would be my only insight on that is, is it's typically one of those transitions that, you know, sometimes he gets a little bit lost. It just seems like when Conley is out, it's either he or Donovan who's going to initiate the offense. And that means a lot more pick and rolls for Joe to run. He's going to oh, get yeah. shots, and he's going to get assists. But when he goes to that bench unit, especially going back to what you said earlier, if they're not running, then he's not working his magic in transition. And if they're in a set offense, there's a lot of position, possessions where he's in the corner and Jordan Clarkson's working his magic. Well, if Jordan's working his magic, the odds of Joe getting the ball, getting a shot, his guy's not leaving him to help. I mean, he's, they're just not. So he's pretty much on track for a goose egg. He's going he's gonna to look pretty passive sitting in the corner, but I just don't know that that's going to change. Jordan's been made too big an impact to take the ball out of his hands, so you're in the corner watching. I think there's probably, there's probably some time you can carve out. I mean, that's what's beautiful about this team is there's a couple different guys. I mean, that really is a luxury. You know, you think of, of the years, if Stockton man have the ball in his hands, um, we weren't really initiating offense, uh, and and that's I love how that game's changed. And there's plenty of guys that can initiate it. I think Joe's really really valuable in the pick and roll, and much like um, 
you know, you see sometimes when, say, Bojan's struggling in the very first play of the game, uh, Quinn does a great job of running a play for Bojan to get him going, get him a basket. There may be something to that with Joe. Um, you know, when he comes into the, into the game, whether, you know, as you mentioned, as he's starting, he's getting a lot of those opportunities. But coming off the bench, it may not be a bad thing to, you know, get him a couple of ball screens right out of the, the shoot just to get him acclimated and, and get him seeing things and get him kind of on attack. As far as college goes, how much do you have BYU beating Gonzaga by next week in the West Coast title game? Oh, man, I'm still working on the number. Um, I do think that the um, even though Gonzaga's number one in, in with Baylor, you know, uh, losing the game, they're kind of number one by a ways now. I think the gap between BYU and Gonzaga throughout the year has is really lessened. Um, I don't know that I'm ready to to call a win yet. Um, I, I got, I know I got some time to sit on that. But <laughs> I will say I love the way BYU's playing right now. Um, I think that, you know, Harm's got Defensive Player of the Year, and I think that that's the piece that I talked about from the beginning. Is he's just he's kind of a game changer in that league. You don't see uh, guys, you know, unless they're from Gonzaga, you don't see guys affect the the paint that much. Um, so I think Harms is, is a guy who is kind of a neutralizer rim guy. Um, but I think Barcelo's just been on a toward pace, and, and Averett's been great, and Loner has played his best basketball of the year. Um, so I think BYU's trending up, whereas Gonzaga's obviously been up for a long time. Um, but I don't think it's totally out of the question, especially on a neutral site with no fans. That'll be interesting to see. So the Aztecs and the Rams are tied atop the Mountain West, a half game in front of the Aggies and a game up on the Broncos. How many teams are getting in? Which ones have a better chance? Has anybody locked anything up, or is everything in the balance here in the final week in the conference tournament? No, I think that's where we are there. Um I'm surprised to see Boise get beat last night um, at home to Fresno. Uh, so they've kind of hit the skids. And uh, Utah State's going to have to go do what Utah State does, win the tournament to get in. Is that what you guys feel like? Well, I wondered if you thought they could get in by getting to a conference final, if that was good enough, because they'd get another quality win. Now they'd have to take another loss, too, so that might sink you know, I don't know. Um there's so many. I was like, I was talking to Lee meeting this night, and he's at St. Louis, and he was getting packed for the uh, for their tournament. And you know, he's sitting there because they're on the bubble. They they had an unbelievably good start. They got COVID, and they were awful coming out of COVID, uh, like most teams have been. So I think what's interesting is the number of teams that really are bubble on the bubble this year, even teams that haven't played a full slate of games. Uh, it's, that's going to be the interesting piece of this, and so I think it is important. I, I would, if I were at the Aggies, there was no way I would be comfortable unless I freaking won, won that thing. And, and what's great about it is Craig's done that. You know, he's done it two years in a row. Now he may may need to see if he could get Sam Merrill to come and change his number and name and see if anybody will notice um, because Sam was kind of instrumental in winning those things, but. Uh, that, that's what the in my mind. That's what the Aggies got to do. They got to they got to go on a big run, and they you know why not go down and win the thing? If they're going to hold the tournament, you might as well win it. 
Did that you line think never Pope worked is for, cr- that, that line never worked for me, but maybe it will for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know who would uh, use that. Is Pope all in every year on all these transfers? I mean, you you look at him, and he's starting four of the five guys are transfers. Well, you know the thing that that Mark said he'd do, and and so far he's doing is. Uh, you know he's going to do things a little bit different, and I think that his uh, his approach of beginning players in there and mixing them has been awesome. And I think really the hurdle to, to transfers is really kind of been lifted because you know the way that they're talking. I mean, transfers are going to be a huge part of everything. The one piece they probably need to to take away if they're going to open up transfers to everybody one-time transfer anywhere, you probably need to stop having handshake lines because that is just an absolute meet-and-greet networking area <laughs> where coaches can be like, man, I really like what you did. In fact, you look great in these unis. Um, here's my card. <laughs> I guarantee coaches are going to carry cards in the line. and The coach of the current team will be like, walk back, he'll have a stack of cards and be like, oh, no, they're coming after him too. Um. So the only guy you'd trust in the handshake line would be Steve Alford then because he'd probably be airing guys out? Well, yeah. I mean, the bottom line with Steve is he didn't tell you the truth. (laughs) (laughs) He ain't going to try to – he told Tavenar exactly what he thought of him. Um, But anyway, I I forgot where we were going. Uh, Transfers. And so I I think that, you know, the one thing Mark's done, he's done a great job of of understanding what the – you know, the local fishing hole and, and the understanding that you got to get the best players around here. But, you know, he just went and signed a kid. They just went and signed a kid from Africa. Um, and they're doing a great job of of, of figuring that out. Um, I know there's some things changing at BYU, too. You know, they're, they're not as sticky about a guy having a little bit of facial hair or, uh, you know, I think that things are maybe relaxing a little bit. And so... If, you know, and time kind of fixes everything, and I'm all in on whatever Mark's doing because he's doing a, a really, really good job, and the level of basketball is awesome. Well, Tim, as always, we appreciate it. We will uh, we'll hear you on the broadcast tonight, the Jazz and the Sixers. What, can I get you guys' take first? What, you Jazz win tonight or lose tonight, DJ? I think Quinn was pretty furious. I think he's going to be into him. I, I'm going to give him a W tonight. I thought his post game that was that was not a Quinn we see very often. And that will be a I mean a monumental W. You know, going into the break because this team's really good and well, well thought of, and there seems to be some kind of bad blood between the two. I don't know why, but it's kind of fun. Monumental W's. That's what I'm after every day in my life. Yeah, but are you going to get it? Unlike the golf course when you play with me. Well, that's oh, good. wait, you did like beat eight me. Strokes a hole. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a monumental W for you. But what are the Jazz going to win tonight? <laughs> they're going to win. Of course, they're going to win. They're going to twenty-two. Mark it down. Book it. Go to Windover now. All right, I'm filling up my tank in about ten minutes. You guys need anything okay. from out there? Meet me in Tooele. All right. Window. It's only twenty miles out. 700 miles back, whatever the ad says. <laughs> Wendover, Wendover, send Timmy right over. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Yeah, you know I'll have to sit and play blackjack if I do that. Tim, as always, we appreciate it. And uh, you don't have long pregame show at four today. I know. Early yeah, that side. means I get home earlier. So, yep. All right, guys, thank you so much.